Hello everyone and welcome to the Men Insights Podcast. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks since I've graced you all with my lovely-ish voice for the podcast. Just, I mean, I was supposed to do the one that I'm recording for you right now and going to be uploading for Saturday the 20th. Yeah, the day before Easter. I was going to do it for last week on... <clears throat> Sorry, I was going to have it last week, uploaded on the 12th, but just it was a busy week for me work-wise and just didn't have the energy to be able to do that for you guys. But, you know, it's an extended holiday weekend, so here I am and hopefully I can do some justice for this one. And since I didn't do my podcast for last week and we had a lot of stuff that happened between last week and this week to talk about, I decided to make this a supersized edition of my shooting the shit ones that I usually do after the WWE pay-per-views and speaking of WWE let's get things started with Wrestlemania 35 yes Wrestlemania 35 happened last weekend at MetLife Stadium in glorious East Rutherford New Jersey ah easy for me to say recording this at 2 15 a.m Friday going into Saturday so yeah there you go <laughs> Um, now, let's see, Wrestlemania, there was, let's be honest, not how many of us actually felt the hype for this Wrestlemania, not a lot of us did, you know, I definitely didn't, no, but I will say, it definitely surpassed my expectations, and, and within the last 10 years, it's probably one of the best Wrestlemanias I've seen in a very long time, uh, de definitely better than... It was definitely better than the last time they were in, in New Jersey. Fuck it, I'll definitely tell you that. But, and I actually did watch the kickoff show this time. Which, I know I've said before that I usually don't do it. But I actually did do it this time. And the first match that we did have was Tony Nese versus Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight Championship. And what I already knew was going to be a great match because both men are phenomenal athletes. And the Cruiserweight Championship matches are usually standout matches on these pay-per-views. And... Uh, and we have a new Cruiserweight Champion, Tony Nese defeating Buddy Murphy in an awesome match. Great back and forth, high-impact, high fast-paced action. Uh, I did love that Buddy Murphy's outfit was uh, a tribute to the Joker, if anyone that was paying attention to that kind of stuff. That uh, was an awesome match. I did kind of wish that Buddy Murphy would go on to like have like a, a, at least one year championship reign, but at the same time, I don't mind it that much. Um... Happy that Tony Nese finally getting his moment in the spotlight. So, congrats to him. And I look forward to seeing what he does with his reign. Um, see, for next match up was the second annual WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Which, if you saw the Hall of Fame ceremony, uh, X-Pac, one of the newest inductees with D-Generation X, proposed that maybe we rename it the China Memorial Battle Royal, which I know fans are definitely behind that concept. And I, and I believe even a lot of them suggested that last last year when they announced the, the first one. So, yeah, I'm definitely down for that idea. <laughs> and, uh, surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, depending on who you talk to, Carmella won this one, and I don't mind it, I like Carmella, but I was actually expecting it to be, uh, who did I predict? 
uh, was it Nikki Cross? Yeah, I was expecting Nikki Cross to get the nice push, but well, we'll see what happens in the future. Because you know, it's 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 the new year for the WWE. Because after every WrestleMania, it's the end of the year for them. So we got more to come up for them. And uh, next up, we had the last minute edition of the Raw Tag Team Championship match: Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins versus The Revival, my New York boys from Queens and Long Island. Uh, so of course, I was rooting for both of them. And if y'all remember, I, I've been saying for a while that I was that Kurt Hawkins was gonna break his under his 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 unwinning streak uh, at WrestleMania, and kept saying it was gonna be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. But yeah, I still technically got my prediction correct because he and Zack Ryder won the Raw Tag Team Championships in this match, and it was awesome. And I am happy because. Again, they're my boys from New York City. Kurt Hawkins is a big New York Mets fan. I'm a New York Mets fan as well. And it was awesome to see him get that pinfall. And he kind of, I'm sure it was intentional that he did it very much like when Bret Hart won the WWF Championship at Survivor Series 95 in his no holds barred match with Diesel. Where it looked like he was, you know, just completely out of it. And then... Playing possum, snuck in the small package pinfall, and got the one, two, three, and it was awesome. Now, how long they're gonna be champion? I don't know. We shall see how long this keeps on going. Uh, but yeah, awesome that Zach and Kurt won. Like I said, my boys from New York, proud of them, so happy, and it was one of my f favorite moments of the night, but. In a little bit, we'll get to the one that I had that I loved even more. And the next match that followed from the pre-show was Braun Strowman and the Saturday Night Live guys and a bunch of other jobbers that didn't have a spot for WrestleMania in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And yeah, Braun Strowman won. We kind of figured it was going to come down to him and Colin Jost and Michael Che. As it was obvious that was the only story they had building up towards this match, so we knew it was going to come down to them no matter what. Ah, now moving on to the main show kicked off with host Alexa Bliss and a surprise appearance from Hulk Hogan uh, which got some mixed reactions on social media and understandably so but I didn't mind it I liked it uh, he botched calling MetLife Stadium the MetLife Center but you know he's getting old so well not getting old he is pretty old now by wrestling standards at least uh, so I'll give that a pass and then another shock was During that moment with him with Hogan and Bliss on stage Paul Heyman made his way down the aisle and announced that the Universal Championship match with Brock Lesnar defending against Seth Rollins was going to be the opening match Because as he put it in his promo if he's not gonna be the main event He's gonna be the opening match and that's what we got Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar in the opening match which was like about like a minute and a half two minutes ish because Brock beat the shit out of him before the bell went off and then the bell rang and Seth was on the defense from the start and got him with a couple of curb stops and dethroned him and became the new Universal Champion. We all love that, it was awesome, and it's raining outside, so you might hear some of that, plus my cats are playing with their toys, so you might be hearing a little bit of that as well in the background. And I also got YouTube up right now, and I'm listening to 
bunch of movie songs on my playlist that I have. It's TV, movie, video game songs. Um, not sure how clearly y'all can hear it, but you know that's what I'm going for right now. Um, anyways, but yeah, Seth Rollins won. I was, I was excited. It was awesome. Didn't expect it to go down that quickly, and especially being the first match. Uh, but it was awesome. So happy that Seth Rollins won. We all wanted that. And it was just awesome. Uh, and followed that match with AJ Styles and Randy Orton. Now, I didn't really notice it during the during their live broadcast, but apparently they had some lighting issues at MetLife Stadium, and a lot of fans didn't really get to see what was going on. Apparently Randy Orton was pretty pissed off about that as well. But it was a, f a good back and forth match. I enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, AJ Styles and Randy Orton, you can't, you can't really get any better than that, you know, so. But AJ Styles got the pinfall in this match, and I am very shocked by that, because I did not expect that. Uh, so now, uh, AJ Styles is 3-1 and one at WrestleMania, because his first match against Jericho, he lost, and then he beat Shane. And then he beat Shinsuke Nakamura last year, and then he beat Randy Orton this year, so he's 3-1. and one. Pretty good record, you know, for only just coming to WWE three years ago. Um, then next up we had the False Count Anywhere match with Shane McMahon and The Miz, which, you know, of course we knew there was going to be some, you know, stuff going on with Miz's father. Uh, you know, Shane took Miz out early on in the match, and then his father... Defending his son's honor decided to come in and got a good little little you know hook right hook on on Shane and gave him a I don't know if it was a legitimate black eye but when he showed up on Smackdown he had a he, or not Smack yeah Smackdown he had a pretty good black eye but I'll get to Smackdown later and but yeah it was a fun match had some great spots of course the best spot was the superplex that Miz performed on Shane McMahon, diving off the scaffolding onto the production equipment below, but in landing the way that they did, Shane was was on top of Miz and got the 1-2-3, which I love that. That was the, that was a good little moment because nobody was paying attention and didn't realize that, yeah, he's, he, he was, he, that was a pinning position, you know? And I, I love that the, I love that, that that's how the match ended because, you know, and then the the, the feud will continue for at least one or two more months, um, depending on when when the next pay per view or WWE Network exclusive exclusive is going to be. So I look forward to you know seeing more of that story. And then we followed that up with the four way SmackDown Tag Team Championship match with the Usos, Alistair Black and Ricochet, the Bar, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Rusev. I mean, I think I said this in my uh, predictions podcast that, you know, these multi-team matches like that, you know, tend to be a bit of a clusterfuck. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, it wasn't a bad match. I enjoyed it. Uh, I had predicted that Alistair Black and Ricochet were going to win, but I also said that it was a match that I didn't mind any of the teams winning. So, and that was the truth. And the Usos got the the, vic the victory and retained their SmackDown Tag Team Championships. And then we followed that match up with the Women's Tag Team Championship match, which was the Boston Hug Connection versus Nia Jackson Tamina versus Natalia and the returning Beth Phoenix and the Iconics. And kind of like the SmackDown Tag Team match, it was a bit of a clusterfuck, had its good moments, but this was one of those predictions that I was so happy that I got correct. 
the Iconics and an awesome WrestleMania moment came out victorious and I was so happy. I'd been wanting them to be the champions since they announced that the, the, they were going to have these these women's tag team championships and ah, it was just such a heartwarming moment for me as a fan. <laughs> uh, but on the subject of heartwarming moments, we come to the WWE Championship match. Champion the new Daniel Bryan taking on Kofi Kingston and whew, to me and to many others this was definitely the match of the night. It was the kind of match that we knew that both men could give us especially at Wrestlemania. The, the story was great, they told an awesome story and uh, kind of fitting that playing the Heroic Aquaman music right now uh, in the background on the playlist that I have. Uh, I don't know how clearly y'all can hear it, but you know, I'm talking into the microphone as, as loudly as I can. But um, yes, this was an awesome match. Just like at Elimination Chamber, I was on the edge of my seat from start to finish because I'm a fan of both men, but I wanted Kofi Kingston so badly to win this because I've been a fan of his since his debut on WWE CW and like I said on a uh, comic movie marks WrestleMania 35 review, that uh, you know I this is the first time since WrestleMania 20 with Chris Benoit winning the World Heavyweight Championship that I was this emotionally invested and excited in a championship match at WrestleMania, and we had one of the biggest WrestleMania moments in history, and definitely the WrestleMania moment of this one, which was Kofi Kingston. In dramatic fashion and great storytelling manner, got the one, two, three, and became the new WWE champion. The first ever African born WWE champion. Something that not a lot of us thought would ever happen, but it happened. And I am not ashamed to admit that I did cry when he got that. Because I know thousands and maybe even millions around the world cried as well. Because it was, like I said, it was the most excited and emotionally invested I felt in a championship win since Chris Benoit at WrestleMania 20. And it was just an awesome moment. And especially the, his kids came into the ring and he got to have that moment with them. It was just awesome, perfect, a great and satisfying ending to a, to a story that 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 we probably we probably weren't even gonna get had uh, uh, Ali you know, formerly Mustafa Ali had not had that, that, that unfortunate accident from Samoa Joe giving him that messed up face back in February. If that, again, if that had not happened, we probably would not have gotten this, this moment with him. And, but like, as much as it sucked to see Ali get that injury, it was a blessing because then we had this awesome moment with Kofi Kingston and you know, I'm probably gonna watch rewatch WrestleMania 35 sometime this this Easter weekend just to relive that moment. It was awesome, and it's just oh, I'm starting to feel a little you know mischief right now just remembering how I felt in that moment. It was just awesome, and then we follow that up with Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio for the U.S. Championship in one minute because. Megan Mysterio was reportedly injured the week earlier in the week before, 
So they either that was a big factor in it, or just they wanted to have Samoa Joe be the dominant champion. So either way, I'm fine. And then we follow that up with Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre in Roman Reigns' first one-on-one -on -one match since coming back from from his leukemia, you know, treatment. And it was a very good match, a very very good match. Um, and Drew McIntyre had an, had the awesome, you know, backpipes entrance for for it, which you know, if you were following me on Twitter throughout the pay per view, saying you know that he 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 got his 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 awesome WrestleMania entrance. Um, and last like like I predicted, Roman Reigns got the one two three in a great fun back and forth match because again, you know, his first one on one match after coming back from leukemia, they weren't gonna have him lose. You know, it's just logic, you know. And then we followed it up with what I had honestly forgotten about what that was gonna happen was Elias's grand performance at WrestleMania, which he promoted to be the greatest performance in WrestleMania history, uh, where he was going to give a grand concert. Um, started out pretty good. Then he got interrupted, and there was a little video that played on the screen talking about Babe Ruth and the Yankees, and I saw a bunch of people on Twitter that apparently, because it started with their at the start of the video, that they thought it was going to be CM Punk, which... Oh man, I'm sorry, these fans just do not, they will not let go of CM Punk. It's been five years and they will not give up hope that he will come back. Uh, I know it's kind of ironic me saying that because I'm part of the release of the Snyder Cut movement and campaign, but the, the Warner Brothers releasing the, the, the full Zack Snyder Cut of Justice League is more likely than CM Punk coming back to WWE. That's just my view of it. But anyways... Uh, the video played, and then at the end of it, we had the return of the Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena. Where he, as he put it in his little freestyle rap, he turned heel and buried Elias. But it was awesome. I am a John Cena fan, as people might be surprised to learn. And it was awesome getting to see that version of John Cena back, even for just a quick 15-minute segment at WrestleMania. Oh, that was fun. So much fun. I loved it. And... Uh, Alright, sorry. Let me skip this YouTube ad and let the music keep on playing. Uh, I hope I don't get flagged by it. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't change myself. But anyways... Uh, after that awesome John Cena moment, we had Triple H versus Batista in a no-holds-barred match, where if Batista defeated Triple H, Triple H had to retire from in-ring competition for good. Which is kind of funny, because he's not a full-time wrestler anymore, he only wrestles like two, three times a year now. Like last year, he only had WrestleMania, Super Showdown, and Crown Jewel, and Crown Jewel uh, is where he had that nasty peck injury where we thought we weren't going to get this match with him and Batista for WrestleMania, but we got it anyway, so... Uh, I don't know if, how much it was still hurting, but... Hey, they pulled off a pretty damn good match, you know, for two guys that are, you know, very close to 50 at this point in their lives. And, uh, you know, there was, you know, I'm kind of, you know, gonna, because uh, they pointed out, I didn't think about it until Comic Movie Marks pointed out, that there was a moment in the match where they both had sledgehammers, and, you know, like, 
it was built up like it was gonna be some kind of like epic moment with both of them striking each other with the with the sledgehammers, which that would have been awesome. Because uh, last time, the only the only time I can last time I can remember we, anything happening like that was at No Way Out two thousand one, uh, where it was the triple it was Triple H versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, and ah. Uh, Sorry, it was the two out of three falls match, and Triple H had the hammer. Uh, Stone Cold had the barbed wire two by four. And sorry, look at there we. Go. Sorry, I just had to exit out of something on my phone. But yeah, that they had they had that boom collided moment, and Triple H dropped on him, got the one two three, and that was the end of that match. Which if you if you haven't seen that match, if you've never seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a long time, I highly recommend. Going back to that on the WWE Network, remember it's No Way Out 2001, Triple H versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, two out of three falls, or three stages of hell, awesome match, their best match that they've ever had with each other, that is for damn sure. Uh, but it was an awesome match, um, Triple H had some moments where, like I joked on Twitter, that that he was taking his, he was embracing his inner Pete Dunne when he tried to break Chip Batista's fingers, and then he was embracing his Randy or his inner Randy Orton when he took the needle nose pliers and ripped out Batista's nose ring. Uh, but yeah, it was a good match, and you know, again, going back with the sledgehammer at the end of the match, Triple H had like a weird superhero moment where he flew across the the ring with the hammer and then got the one two three with the pedigree. And uh, Triple H won, and then Batista officially announced his retirement from pro wrestling after this match, which, man, that was going to happen wh whether he won or lost, but, you know, because that was how he wanted to end his career. One more match with Triple H at WrestleMania, he, he got what he wanted. <laughs> and, you know, congratulations to Batista on a great career. I look forward to seeing him in more movies. I look forward to seeing him uh, in Endgame. If he makes an appearance there, he is credited on IMDb. So, and I'm planning on, and I'm going to be seeing that next Friday. I have my ticket for the 12 o'clock noon showing for Endgame. I have my uh, billing and coding certification exam that morning. So, once I'm done with that, heading over to the movie theater. Uh, I guess as a reward to myself, hopefully it will be a reward because, you know, billing and coding exam, you know, but anyone who's, who's worked in billing and coding and taking classes for it, it's a lot of stuff you gotta memorize, but I'm going off topic here. Anyways, yeah, I look, f I congratulations to Batista on a great wrestling career, uh, and I look forward to enjoying his movie career some more now. And then we followed up this fun match with... Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle, and the match that I was that I had, I honestly didn't even pay attention to it because you you guys know how I feel about Baron Corbin. Again, I, I, like I said, I used to like him. I used to be a fan. The only thing I like about him now is his entrance music. But beyond that, anyways, Cor Baron Corbin didn't beat him. Then Kurt Angle said. Thank the fans that he said farewell and he walked out the stadium. And then we had Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor, Demon Finn Balor, which was cool to see the demon at WrestleMania. Uh, and then Bobby Lashley, his I guess his response to the demon, he had the 
funky looking contacts in his eyes that actually made him look pretty badass I'm, I'm not gonna lie uh and it was a, a very good match as well i mean like i said I, I i know that bobby lashley has it in him to have a great match and this was a great match it was a short but fast-paced great match um you know it just made me think why don't we get why don't we have more of this bobby lashley you know uh, but yeah, Finn Balor won, continuing his undefeated demon streak on WWE pay-per-view. So, new Intercontinental Champion, two-time Intercontinental Champion, Finn Balor. And then after that, we had the main event. It was Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch, winner take all for the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships in the first ever women's main event at WrestleMania. Whew. The match was fun. Didn't exactly surpass the hype or live like like they like they made us think it would be. I mean, it was a, I enjoyed it. I had fun. It was just you know it was already past midnight on, on in my on my time zone and uh, I was tired. Had to wake up the next at six thirty in the to go to work the, the next day and it's just. <sighs> Um, I know it's, you know, kind of funny me talking about it, but it's just, you know, what, but me, cause like, yeah, I'm recording this and it's 2.30 in the morning, Friday going into Saturday, but it's the weekend and I have nothing else going on, so it's different. But when I, like, when it's a Sunday night going into Monday and I gotta go to work on Monday, uh, I need my energy. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I'm, I still manage though. I mean, went to bed, like between 1 and 1.30, uh, and woke up at 6.30, and I, I managed to get through the day, uh, but anyways, it was a fun match, uh, the Charlotte Flair showed up in a helicopter, which was pretty cool, uh, Ronda Rousey had her live performance from Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, so it was pretty cool, I mean, and then Becky Lynch, was awesome seeing her, but she didn't have like that epic WrestleMania entrance like they, like Charlotte and Ronda had. But yeah, uh, and then the ending. A lot of people keep saying that it was not supposed to end the way it did, but I have a theory that it ended exactly how it was supposed to to set up the eventual rematch later on, uh, where Ronda Rousey was gonna do her Samoan drop thing that she calls Piper's Pit, but Becky Lynch countered it into the crucifix pin. And we all we all saw Ronda Rousey's shoulders not weren't completely on the mat for the one two three, but Becky got the one two three and became, as she is now being called, Becky Two Belts. You know the champ champ. So, but again, I say that it went exactly like that because it would set up the eventual rematch down the line, maybe at SummerSlam. You know so. Hey, like again, like the match was f good. To me, it didn't exactly didn't really top the Charlotte Becky Sasha Banks triple threat match from WrestleMania 32, but that's just my opinion. It was a fun match, and yeah, it, it, they deserve that main event spot. I just expected a little more. That's just me. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a great WrestleMania. Again, one of the best that I've seen in a very long time. 
and and I, and I and not comparing like you know from top to bottom, start to finish. I would say that it was to me it was like WrestleMania 24, where on paper you didn't really feel the hype, you didn't it didn't feel like it was WrestleMania going into it, but then when you get to the actual show and you watch it, it's like, huh. This is a great show. Like, f f holy shit! This is a great WrestleMania. That's exactly what it was. Uh, but you know, after WrestleMania, we get the Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania, and the Raw after WrestleMania was an interesting one to say the least. Uh, we kicked off the show with Seth Rollins, you know, declaring that he slayed the Beast, and then he was interrupted by Kofi Kingston uh, and New Day. Where in the middle of celebrating Kofi winning the championship, Big E just does a split in the middle of the ring, and everyone's like, "The fuck!" Uh, it was cool though, because like, you know, Big E is a big dude, and he did a full-on split in the middle of the ring, and it's just like, "What?" Uh, if you know, I, I hope I'll get to meet him someday, because that that dude, he is something else. Um, but. What we got out of that segment is that Kofi Kingston decided to challenge Seth Rollins to the main event of Raw this uh, later in the night in, in their own winner-take-all champion versus champion match. Everyone was excited. It was going to be awesome. Uh, and then we followed it up with Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins in their first title defense against the Revival, which I thought they, you know, didn't do automatic rematches, but apparently they forgot about that just like two months after they declared, you know, no more automatic rematches. But, you know, it's WWE. They do what they want. So, whatever. Um, now, it was a fun match. Not quite as exciting as their match at WrestleMania. Uh, but thing that mattered to me is that Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder retained their championships, still the tag team champions. My New York boys are still the champs. Could not be prouder. Uh, and then Baron Corbin came out to brag about defeating Kurt Angle in his final match. Then Kurt Angle came out, beat the shit out of Baron Corbin, which was awesome. We all love that. But then we saw the main roster debut of Lars Sullivan attacking Kurt Angle, which, and I tweeted this out saying, I guess Lars Sullivan got his, was finally able to get his anxiety under control, and I, and I was not meaning that as a jab, although I did get one person that DM'd me about it, but I was saying, I am someone who, if you saw my my video unedited podcast from last November, I am someone who was diagnosed with severe anxiety about five years ago, about four or five years ago. Um... No, not four. It was like about six years ago. Yeah, about six years ago, and you know, I was speaking from that side, like, because I know how hard it is to get to get you know control of your anxiety. Trust me, it's it's a bitch to manage. Um, right, hold on, sorry, got another alert on my phone. I'm gonna get the hell out of that thing. But anyways, uh, yeah. You know, because remember we were that he was supposed to have made his debut back in January, and supposed supposedly supposed to have a program with John Cena, but you know of course that never came that never came to fruition as they say. Um, but hey, he finally on the on the show, and I look forward to seeing what they do with him in the future. And then we had the 
and another in-ring return with Alexa Bliss against Bailey, and Alexa Bliss, Alexa Bliss, ah, uh, had a bit of a squash match with Bailey and won very cleanly and easily. And I mean, interesting to see how that goes. Which, um, a little bit of undertones behind that one, which I will get to once I'm done talking about these these two Raw and SmackDowns for the last week and this past week. Um, and we follow that up with the a moment with Becky Lynch, you know, celebrating her championship victory. Um, <sighs> sorry, getting a little, little bit of a dry throat at the moment. <clears throat> uh, where she, yeah, Becky Lynch, uh, came out celebrating her championship victory, and then she got interrupted by Lacey Evans, where she did her little routine walk down the ramp, and, uh, instead of just strutting and turning around and going back up the ramp, Lacey Evans gave Becky Lynch the woman's right, which, you know, if you've watched her on NXT, the woman's right is like stiff right hand to the face from her, and, you know, and when she throws that, that, that right, it's, that, it looks legit, um, I'm sure if she did it, if she did that to me, she'd probably crack my jaw a little bit. But um, yeah, we finally got some action from Lacey Evans, <laughs> and then we followed that up with Alison Black and Ricochet versus Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, who apparently Bobby Roode and Chad Gable are heels now, which I'm okay with that. Cool, good for them. You know, Bobby Roode is always much better as a heel. Uh, and then we had. Uh, what was supposed to be Dean Ambrose's final match in WWE uh, versus Bobby Lashley, and Bobby and that never even got started. Bobby Lashley just beat the shit out of him, and it all started because when Lashley came out, he was saying, "Don't worry, I'll take care of your wife for you." Who, of course, is Renee Young. That got a reaction out of the crowd. Dean flipped out, but then Lashley beat the shit out of him, and yeah, that was all we saw of him for for them. Now they did have a nice little farewell. After the show, where Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns brought him back out onto, onto the ring and had a nice little moment where, you know, they showed that brotherly love that they have with each other, which, you know, of course is real, very real. And, um, uh, which, if y'all want to check out that video, just search for it on YouTube. There's, there's plenty of people with cell phone cameras that have that. I don't know if it's posted on the official WWE YouTube channel, but if it is, then go go check that one out. Um, then we had uh, uh, the return of Sami Zayn. Sorry about the burp. Yeah, the return of Sami Zayn uh, because Finn Balor came out and... Uh, and had like an open challenge kind of thing, and then Sami Zayn accepted. They had a nice little Intercontinental Championship match. Finn Balor won, retaining the championship. And then Sami Zayn cut a promo on the fans, basically talking about how, basically saying that the fans are bullshit and and you know much nicer words. Um, yeah, Sami Zayn is a heel, and from what I've been hearing, that he actually has creative control over his promos. He can. He can write his own promos freely, and and you know what? If that's true, awesome, because this new Sami Zayn, I am in love with it. I look forward to many more moments with him. And then we had Elias trying to make up for his concert being interrupted by John Cena, which is funny because 
He's been interrupted two WrestleManias straight now by John Cena. Uh, he was interrupted last year when he tried to do a concert, uh, and John Cena was want, was wanting to get that match with Undertaker. Cena beat him up. Like he, yeah, he was his WrestleMania moment two years in a row ruined by John Cena. And then he came out and said that the next person that comes on and interrupts him is a dead man. Huh. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen now. And what happened was the return of The Undertaker, which... And I tweeted this out, that he looked to be in the best shape he's been in a long time. Because if y'all remember how he looked at Super Showdown at Crown Jewel, he was a bit out of shape. Yeah. But nah... And on that Raw, the night after WrestleMania, on April 8th, 2019, he looked lean and, you know, ripped as fuck. And, you know what? If he has it in him to have maybe one or two more good matches, I'm up for it. No problem with that. Um, yeah, and it actually started a little discussion between me and people on other people on Twitter. That was, you know, saying that he's looking the best that he's been in years and said that he's, it's not it's not the best he's ever looked because, in my opinion, he the best shape Undertaker's been in was 2007. And another person responded saying 1999 Ministry Undertaker was his best. But, you know, I'll leave that for y'all to decide. And then we followed it up with Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins, uh, which started out pretty damn good. It was going to be winner-take-all with for both championships and randomly... Uh, interrupted by the bar and fans hated that and then it became a tag team match Rollins and Kingston versus the bar which was a fun match but the fans being the way they were just didn't it just made the match just not that not that exciting which is a shame because it was a very good match we got four of the best in WWE in the ring um you know Rollins and Kingston won of course uh, but the thing that sucked is apparently the uh, Sheamus got injured in the match and I don't know how long he's going to be out, but that really sucks because, you know, the bar is a great tag team. Um, that does it for Monday Night Raw. And then the SmackDown after WrestleMania. <clears throat> <sighs> Sorry, I'm clicking from screen to screen, making sure I give you guys an accurate recap of these events. Uh, yeah, we had the championship celebration um, with Kofi Kingston. Oh, yeah, I was wrong. He didn't get injured in that match, but um, it was then he got interrupted. Oh yeah, he and it was, yeah, it was him and New Day and Big E did the splits again in the middle of the ring, which was awesome. And then he got interrupted by the bar and Drew McIntyre, which was pretty cool. Um, I was hoping it was gonna. It's, uh, I hope that it would lead to something more with Drew McIntyre, but you know, I'll get to that when I get to the superstar shakeup after this. And they made that the official main event would be the New Day versus The Bar and Drew McIntyre. And and we had a six-person tag match, which was Ali, Rick, whew, Ricochet, and Aleister Black. Sorry about that. <clears throat> yeah, Ali, Ricochet, and Aleister Black against Andrade, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Rusev. This was a fun match. I don't remember how long it lasted. Uh, but it was a fun match because, you know, you got six of the best in WWE in one ring. You can't go wrong with that. And, you know, the baby faces won, which was cool. You know, I'm okay with that. And then Samoa Joe had a thing where he was bragging about, you know, being the best U U U.S. champion and all this stuff. And then Braun Strowman showed up. Decided, you know, he wants a piece of that U.S. title. 
And hey, I'm down for that for sure. <laughs> um, and we followed that up with uh, the Iconics against apparently the Brooklyn Bells, which was a local jobber team, I'm guessing. And for the Women's Tag Team Championships, and they retained. And then Shane McMahon came out, cut his promo on the WWE Universe, and uh, bragging about defeating The Miz, and you know, what he did to Miz's dad, which, you know, whatever. And then we had the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, uh, the Usos defending against the Hardy Boys, and that was a fun, exciting match, and the Hardy Boys won! Now being, I think, eight-time Tag Team Champions officially? Which is just insane, in my opinion. It's just like, yo. You know, they've, they've, been, do, they've been doing this for like 20-something years, and they're still winning the gold. I mean, they came back two years ago, won the Raw Tag Titles at WrestleMania. They're back again this year, winning the SmackDown Tag Titles. It's like, geez. And they're both in their 40s as well. You know, they're both in their 40s, and they're still kicking ass and winning, winning all the belts. <laughs> uh, but then afterwards, Lars Sullivan came out, beat the shit out of the Hardy Boys. So, you know, people are thinking, hey, maybe Lars Sullivan is like the new legend killer. So... Because he took out Kurt Angle, legend, WWE Hall of Famer, Impact Hall of Famer. Then he comes on SmackDown and he takes out the Hardy Boys, another legendary team. So, we shall see what's, what, what more we get from Lars Sullivan. Uh, and then, Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans had another moment on SmackDown where they got into it. And then, we had the main event, New Day versus Drew McIntyre in the bar. I am, yeah, I am yawning like crazy right now, but um, yeah, New Day won, it was a fun, exciting match, and this is where Sheamus uh, got injured, which sucks, it really sucks, but it happens, you know, uh, and now we move on to the Superstar Shake-Up, yeah, Superstar Shake-Up. Uh, it was announced, I think, on on it was announced on Raw and SmackDown the week before, and then you know we had. <sighs> well, I'm not gonna go through Raw and SmackDown episodes because I mean it was really all about the people who were showing up on Raw, which I'm just gonna go through the list of who came from, who is now part of Raw from from the Superstar Shakeup, coming from SmackDown, and apparently it was Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and Two Hundred Five Live eligible in this shakeup. But who came from Raw to join, or came from SmackDown in, in 205 and NXT to join Raw? Well, Raw now has AJ Styles, The Miz, Ricochet, Aleister Black, Andrade, Zelina Vega, Rey Mysterio, Jimmy and Jay Uso, Naomi, EC3, Eric Young, Cedric Alexander, Lacey Evans, and formerly known as Hanson and Roe, the War Raiders, they are now Eric and Ivar. The Viking Experience. <clears throat> yeah. The fucking Viking Experience. Uh, if you were on Twitter when they came out on Raw, you'll know exactly what kind of a shitstorm it stirred up. Uh, and I'm and I was one of those people that were just like, what the fuck? You went from I mean first they were War Machine in Ring of Honor. And then they became War Raiders in WWE. I understood why they changed it, because they couldn't legally use War Machine. 
because, you know, Marvel, they might get sued by them because they had the character of War Machine. <laughs> and so they became War Raiders, which was a little stupid, but acceptable. Viking experience? Fuck no. But, hopefully they're still going to build them up as the badass tag team that they are. So, we shall see. Now. Um, and then who came up from Raw, 205, and, and NXT to join SmackDown? Well, I'm going to start from the bottom of the list. Uh, Tucker and Otis of Heavy Machinery. Mickey James is now part of SmackDown. Apollo Crews. Chad Gable. Liv Morgan breaking up, you know, the Riot Squad. Well, not really. You know, they could still they could take over both brands. Uh, Buddy Murphy, you know, awesome that he's going to be on SmackDown, getting his time to shine on the main roster besides being a cruiserweight. Uh, Lars Sullivan is officially part of SmackDown now, which you know, on Raw he came out and attacked Rey Mysterio, which made me think, all right, he's going to be on Raw, but then he showed up on SmackDown, and let me see who who did he take out on SmackDown again? I don't remember. Uh, oh yeah, he came out and beat up R-Truth, and made it seem like he was going to attack, uh, uh, Carmella, which, if he did, that would have been uh, some, some, like, old-school heel shit right there. Um, and then also we had, we have Kyrie Sane now, part of SmackDown, as part of a new tag team with Asuka, managed by Paige, and we also have Ember Moon and Bayley, and that's awesome, uh, I'm a fan of all of them. Oh, and Finn Balor is part of SmackDown now as well with the Intercontinental Championship, which if I was thinking, like, they have the U.S. Champion and the Intercontinental Champion on SmackDown? That's weird. But then I read that Samoa Joe was supposed to have a segment on Raw where he, you know, is now part of Raw with the U.S. Championship to continue what they set up the, week, the previous week on SmackDown with him and Braun Strowman, but something happened where they had to cut his segment out. I don't know. Um... And then built up throughout the night that Vince McMahon was going to unveil SmackDown Live's biggest acquisition in the show's history. And he brought out Elias, which surprised me, you know, but I didn't mind it. I'm a fan of Elias. thought that was pretty cool. But then he was interrupted once again by what was the real biggest acquisition for SmackDown. The big dog, Roman Reigns. Yeah, Big Dog Roman Reigns is officially part of the blue brand. Going to be wrestling on SmackDown for the first time since he was WWE Champion in 2016. Um, I look forward to seeing what we get from him. And of course, a lot of fans are saying, oh, that's it. Goodbye, Kofi Kingston's championship reign. He's not, if, even if he is going to be WWE Champion, it's not going to happen right away. He's just got to SmackDown. And he's already starting a, a feud with Elias. He also had a moment where he punched out Vince McMahon. So we're probably going to get some more of that ne next week. We shall see. And yeah, those are what, what happened with the with the shakeup. And I will go over a couple of segments that did happen on Raw this week. Um, let me see. Let's see what the ones I actually did like. Uh, yeah, I'm only, I'm, I'm going to talk about Sami Zayn. Uh, his moment of bliss that he had on on Raw. That was a pretty fun segment because for like five minutes they kept playing his music and because they were in Montreal. Sami Zayn is from Montreal. He's the hometown boy. Um, they were they went crazy for him. They loved him. And 
he just basically was saying like you know he loves montreal this is his home he loves the you know getting to see his family and friends he just hates the, the people of montreal and again if it's true that he really is writing his own promos that is freaking awesome and i love that um and other unfortunate news that came out of smackdown from last week that big e is also injured i don't remember what he's injured with but yeah, he's in, him and Sheamus are injured. Daniel Bryan is apparently injured as well, which really, really sucks. Like, god damn, that fucking sucks, man. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, they, the this week's back then it opened up with the Kevin Owens show, and the New Day decided to anoint Kevin Owens as an honorary member of the New Day, calling him the Big O. Um. You know, they had several segments throughout the night where they were giving him, like, initiation stuff to make him a new, new Day member, and that was fun. <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's pretty much it for, for me to talk about with SmackDown. Um, <clears throat> sorry, catching up. Uh, yeah, that basically runs up the superstar shakeup. But let's talk about some of these WWE superstars that are wanting to quit, apparently, and have been, yeah, like I don't know what's I don't know what's going on with WWE these last couple of weeks with people getting fired or that they're wanting to quit. Because uh, what's her face, D Dasha Fuentes, the backstage interview woman, uh, apparently was released WrestleMania weekend, but they allowed her to work WrestleMania weekend, which just is a little odd to me, but whatever. Um, and then apparently, um, Ale Alexander Wolf of of Sanity uh, requested his release, and Luke Harper requested his release as well, and Sasha Banks is apparently wants to quit because she was unhappy with what how, how with her her and Bailey lost at WrestleMania, and it's just like. What is going on? And Road Dog resigned as from from his his team his creative position on SmackDown. Like, what's going on? But like, I mean, with Luke Harper, he he posted it on Twitter that uh, that he that he this was a like a decision for himself and for his his family, and you know that he wants to you know improve as a performer and other stuff like that and. I mean, it's gonna, it'll suck to see him leave, because I've been a fan of Luke Harper for a long time, you know, wherever he ends up, I, I, I wish him the best. If he does indeed get his release from WWE, if he ends up in, in Impact, uh, Ring of Honor, AEW, whenever they finally get a TV deal, um, uh, and Alexander Wolf, that, that really sucks that he decided to leave as well, but can't really blame him. I mean, him and Sanity, they, like, they've barely done anything since being called up to the main roster, but that's WWE's creative doing. It has nothing, nothing to do with them. But, um, and then also with Sasha Banks, apparently, uh, her and Bailey were support, apparently blindsided by the results to, of them, uh, losing the tag team titles at WrestleMania, and that they had a little protest at, lying on the floors of the locker room and lying on the floors outside the hotel room, which, if that's the truth, then that's some, that, that is some bratty bullshit right there. Um, and yeah, she hasn't been on Raw the last couple of weeks, so we don't know what's going on with that. We shall see. Uh, um, but moving on from pro wrestling, the next, let me see how, how many set things I have listed here. 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. The next 15 things that I'm going to be talking about will be the Hollywood section of this podcast. Starting off with that teaser trailer for Todd Phillips' Joker film. Um, you know, we've been seeing all the behind the scenes videos and pictures. Um, and we were just wondering, when are we going to get an official trailer? When are we going to get a teaser trailer? When are we going to get a poster and all that good stuff? And we finally got it last week. And, oh my God, that teaser trailer is fucking phenomenal. And, and I'll have links to everything that I'll be talking about from now to the end of the podcast in the description for anyone that wants to check out the trailers and articles for, for the topics that I'll be talk, discussing in this, these next however many minutes that I'll be talking, which you know, is probably going to go on for a while. I'm 52 minutes in, and I'm only just now getting to the non-WWE stuff, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, trailer looked phenomenal, and just it looked so dark and just gritty and fucked up and Joaquin Phoenix looks great as the, as the Joker and it still amazes me that Todd Phillips the same guy that gave us Road Trip old school and the hang the hangover movies is giving us this kind of Joker film wow and it's just like I don't know it's, it, 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 it still amazes me it really does and uh, and if you've seen the trailer, then you'll you'll know what I'm talking about right now. With like, like it looks like it does take a lot of inspiration from like like Martin Scorsese films, which I think he's still credited as as executive producer. I'm not sure yet, but because I have heard that uh King of Kings of Comedy, uh the King of Comedy with you know, which was a Scorsese film with Rob, Robert De Niro, took a lot of inspiration from that. So that's cool. That's awesome. Um. Uh, we have to wait until October 4th to finally see the movie, and you know what? Just, I don't need to see anything else. That teaser trailer alone was all the convincing I needed to know that I need to be there opening day to see this damn movie. And, oh god, it's, it looks... It, it's, it looks perfect, and, and I've been saying it ever since that trailer was released. I can see Joaquin Phoenix getting an Oscar nomination for this role. And if he doesn't, I'll be surprised. I mean, I'm still shocked and angry that Logan didn't get any Oscar nominations. Uh, I mean, it got it got ad adapted screenplay, which was cool, but I mean, that movie, it should have gotten an actor, nom best actor for Hugh Jackman, best supporting actor for, for Patrick Stewart, and best picture as well. Cause the, it was that, it's that great of a movie. And I hope Joker will get that because I mean yes it was a milestone that Black Panther got a best picture nomination first comic book movie superhero movie to get a best uh, best picture nomination at the Academy Awards you know that's a big deal yes but that's not the film that they should have done that with like like I've, and I've said before if the Dark Knight and Logan couldn't get best picture nominations then neither should have Black should Black Panther that's just my thought God, Joker looks fucking amazing, and I can't wait to see it October 4th. Just like I can't wait for July 19th when the new live-action John Favreau-directed Lion King comes out. And they just released another trailer, which 
Ah, since every new trailer that they release for The Lion King, the visual effects look freaking amazing, and, uh, and I have great faith in Jon Favreau to deliver a great quality film, because he, he did great with Jungle Book. Elf was a great movie as well. The first, the first Iron Man was amazing. Iron Man 2 ha did have a bit of studio meddling. That's why he, ste he stepped down from directing Iron Man 3. But it's just... <clears throat> Again, it looks beautiful and perfect. And I cannot wait to see that one as well. Because Lion King is my favorite Disney movie. The original one from 1994. And... Um, and I'm, and I know, like me, like many, cry like a little blubbering mess when Mufasa dies, and I know I'm gonna cry just as hard when he dies in this one because, uh, spoiler alert, if you never saw the the original 1994 movie, um, uh, especially because now as an adult and my having my own father passing away seven years ago, uh, that. Yeah, that moment, that moment is gonna hit me pretty damn hard. It really is. Oh man. <sighs> and but we do have some, you know, some good casting news from some films coming up in the next few years. Uh, one of the ones is for Marvel's The Eternals. That we have the stories going along that uh, Kumail Nanjiani and Angelina Jolie have been in talks for. Roles in Marvel's The Eternals, an apparent exclusive from The Hollywood Reporter. Again, I'll put the links to all of that in the description below. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Kumail Nanjiani. You know, I thought I've always thought that he was hilarious and that he's a very good actor as well. You know, when they when you give him a, a good, you know, a good a good story to go with. You know, like I've, I loved him in, on Silicon Valley. Loved him on his. His random appearances that he that he would play on Portlandia, so you know, I if he does get cast for the for the Eternals, hey, I look forward to seeing what kind of performance he can give. Uh, same with Angelina Jolie; she's a she's one of my favorite actresses, and if the if she gets cast for it as well, I hope her her acting abilities will not be wasted on this film. Um. And I know a lot of DCEU fans saying that they're only doing the Eternals because, uh, <clears throat> you know, DCE, DC has the uh, New Gods that's supposed to be directed by uh, Ava DuVernay coming out God knows when because we don't know anything about the movie. Just we haven't heard anything since it was announced that she was going to be the director. And, and I, mean, I, I loved the movie Selma. She directed that. I thought that was a good movie. Uh, but Wrinkle in Time was just... had great visuals, but the story was just... I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just... I can't. I just can't. I really... I can't. <sighs> but, you know... Moving on to some other casting news, this time regarding James Gunn's Suicide Squad film. Uh, it was originally reported that uh, act, great actor Idris Elba was going to be replacing Will Smith as, as Deadshot in the Suicide Squad sequel. And now, according to an exclusive from Variety.com, 
No, that is not the case. He will not be replacing Will Smith's Deadshot. He will instead be playing a different character. We don't know for sure who that character is going to be. But, yeah, he's going to he's gonna be a new character, not replacing Will Smith's Deadshot, which I love because Will, I loved Will Smith as Deadshot. Um, and I've been hopeful that we will get that Deadshot solo film. And, you know, uh, watching a lot of you know, the vodka stream, vodka stream from Dave the Film Junkie, and as well as his podcasts and other videos that he's done, the pitching what he thinks would be a great idea for the Deadshot movie, would be that, you know, because, you know, Deadshot, he's a for-hire hitman type of character, that he would be hired to transport a prisoner from, you know, point A to point B, and that would be him, his journey throughout the movie. And then... Another idea they got thrown into that, you know, concept is some have somebody else hire someone to take out the prisoner that he is escorting, or whoever the person that he is escorting, and it would be Deathstroke hired to take out that person that Deathshot was hired to, to escort and protect. That would be a, an awesome movie. That would be awesome. I would love to see that movie, and I hope we will get to see that kind of movie. And whoever Idris Elba ends up playing in the Suicide Squad, hey, I look forward to it. He's a great actor. He 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 he's good. He's a good character actor, is what Idris Elba is. And you know, all those stories that we keep hearing about that this is going to be a reboot, and not a sequel, which is interesting because another story from discussingfilm.net, which is the only link I was able to get this from because apparently it is an exclusive, that we are also going to be seeing the return of Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, Joel Kinnaman as you know, Rick Flagg, and <clears throat> sorry, dry throat, and Jake Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, and Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn will be returning in this movie. Now, all those returning actors and characters, Peter Serafin really wants to keep on saying that it's a, it's not a sequel, it's a reboot. Maybe someone should get, bring a, give him, you know, the Webster Dictionary and show him what reboot and actually means. Because reboot means starting over. This is not starting over. This is just a sequel, if it's the same characters played by the same actors. This is a sequel. Just, But hey, either way, I am happy because all, all I really wanted was for Viola Davis to come back as Amanda Waller. Because she was one of my favorite parts of Suicide Squad. She was, per like I said, she was perfectly cast in the role. And finding out that yes, she will be returning in as Amanda Waller, it's like, alright, great, I'm. that's all I needed. What, you can do whatever you want with the movie, as long as Viola Davis stayed on as Amanda Waller. I'm happy. <sighs> and then, more news regarding Suicide Squad. Apparently, there's a lot of news for Suicide Squad castings. Uh, is that... Apparently, John Cena is being eyed for a role in Suicide Squad. This one, another exclusive from Variety. Um... A lot of people are speculating that he'll be uh, brought on to be the peacekeeper, which, hey, if he does, awesome, cool. I mean, he's not the greatest actor, but, you know, he's had some fun movies. 
So, if he does get cast in this film, if he and if he does indeed play the peacekeeper, no problem. I look forward to that. You know, it's not. It, it's it'd be ni it'll be nice to see him doing, you know, more with himself. Because uh, he's, you know, supposed to be doing, he's mostly been doing a lot of, you know, actions and comedies. And this one will be like a, a, a real superhero kind of movie. Because he, you know, he already had, you know, Bumblebee last year, which, I mean, it was good. But, you know, I don't know if it was the certified fresh film that, you know, it, that it's being credited as. <laughs> no, but I liked him in Trainwreck. He was funny in that. And I like the movie that he, the WWE movie he did, Legendary, which also starred Donald Glover, uh, uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, but he also has a film coming up with uh, the Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, which another you know little update from, which I guess I'll just move that part. I was gonna discuss that in a later part of the of the podcast, but since I already mentioned him, I might as well bring it up now. And uh, the Rock gave an update. On Black Adam, which basically just saying that you know he they they're gonna he's expected to start shooting early next year or late this year. Either way, we're getting closer to finally getting him as fucking Black Adam, which we've been waiting for like five years at this point, you know, because he's been teasing it and talking about it on social media a lot, and he finally on Facebook, not Facebook on in on inst on an Instagram live thing he. I think I think it was Instagram Live, saying that yeah that they're that they're working very mu very deeply on it and that they're gonna get <clears throat> that they're going to get it started sometime either late this year or early next year. Which you know what sooner the better because we all want to see that uh, we want to see Black Adam versus Shazam or Black Adam versus Superman, which he did kind of tease on a post between with him and Henry Cavill sitting down having some whiskey together. Um, so hurry up and get that Black Adam movie out there, okay? Come on, us fans want to see it. Um, I mean, not to give any spoilers about Shazam, but there was he. They did kind of. You know, give it a, a Black Adam tease in the in the movie, so you know he he's there, but we haven't really seen him yet, but he's there. Ah, uh, but yeah, and then next thing to talk about with in regards to casting news is for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead Netflix film that will be coming out next year. Is that apparently Dave Bautista is going to star in the film, which is. I think it's awesome. Um, and it's funny because I remember there was an interview that Dave Bautista did promoting, I think it was promoting another movie that he had last year, I can't remember which one, that he, that it was mentioned that, uh, that he was in talks to, to, to star in a Zack Snyder film. And I'm guessing this is the film that they were talking about, which, you know what? Cool. I, you, you guys know I love Zack Snyder's movies and, you know, I like Dave Bautista as well. You know, you heard what I was saying earlier about him, with him and wrestle and his final wrestling match with Triple H at WrestleMania, and yeah, you know, I look forward to seeing what he does with getting to work with Zack Snyder, because you know Zack Snyder, again, he's one of my favorite directors. Might be he'll probably be in my top five favorite, because he's directed a lot of movies that I absolutely love, especially Man of Steel, Watchmen, and Batman vs Superman. <laughs> Uh, but hey, 
I don't know who else is going to be involved in Army of the Dead, but, you know, Batista being cast in it, that's, that's, that's great news. So I look forward to that very much. And, you know, of course, with James Gunn being rehired to, to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, we all know he's definitely going to be part of that as well. And he's also going to be part of, he's also part of the cast for Dune and a couple of other movies that are coming out later this year, like Stuber and My Spy, which, uh, my, I haven't seen the preview for My Spy yet, but I did see the preview for Stuber because they played it during WrestleMania, which, it looked interesting, you know, it's not the worst movie, but, you know, it's something. Um, and yeah, you know, he, like I said, he is, is credited as being Drax in uh, Avengers Endgame, so we'll see how that works out as well. <coughs> ha! Uh, and then more casting news, this time for the DC Universe streaming service show Titans Season 2. We have our casting for Bruce Wayne, and it will be star from Game of Thrones. Uh, let me try to get the name correct on here. It's Ian uh, Glenn. Ian Glenn. I don't know how it's pronounced. Uh, but yeah, he's a Scottish actor that is best known as Sir Jorah Marmont from Game of Thrones. Um, Apparently he's also been in the Resident Evil films uh, as Dr. I Dr. Alexander Isaacs slash Tyrant. And he was also in Kick-Ass 2 and Lara Croft Tomb Raider as well as Downton Abbey. Uh, yeah, he will be playing a much older Bruce Wayne. Will, he, will we get to see him as Batman? Probably not, but he's going to be Bruce Wayne in Season 2 of Titans, which I'm excited to see because, you know, I love Season 1 of Titans. And I hate that the last two episodes of what was supposed to be season one will not be part of season two. But you know what? At the same time, it just makes me eager to see season two even more. You know, and honestly, the DC Universe shows have been really kicking ass. I mean, Titans is awesome. And that Doom Patrol is great. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I think, f about three or four weeks behind on Doom Patrol now. Uh, which, I mean... You know, it is what it is. I've been busy with work and just haven't had much energy to, to watch a lot of my shows. I haven't been, and I've been behind on a lot of podcasts as well. I mean, uh, like five weeks behind on all the podcasts that I listen to. Uh, so I'm going to have to do a lot of work to catch up on those. Uh, so, but yeah, I look forward to seeing what Mr. Glenn does as Bruce Wayne on season two of Titans. Uh, and what other stuff that we got going? Oh, yeah. Uh, DC Universe's Swamp Thing. We finally got a quick little teaser trailer for that as well. Uh, which looked pretty damn cool. Uh, but then also, the big controversial story that's been going on regarding that is some people, uh, unhappy that... Alright, sorry. Again, I keep getting alerts on my phone. It's kind of annoying at this point. Uh, all right. <sighs> Sorry about that, but yeah, that apparently that they put a halt on production for a DC Swamp Thing, and instead of the thirteen episodes it was originally supposed to be, it's going to be ten episodes because apparently they went over budget, and since AT and T 
is now the parent company of Warner Brothers. You know they're trying to they're trying to you know make sure that they don't spend more too much money, and you know this is definitely an AT and T decision, <laughs> which you know what I understand. You wanna you want you don't because if you go over budget then you're not gonna really have much to you know to go on for next season. So you know what. I am excited to see what we get from Swamp Thing. I and I think if I uh, if I remember correctly, it's supposed to premiere. Um, let me see. It's supposed to premiere at. Let me check the Twitter for Swamp Thing because I don't remember. It's supposed to premiere May in at the end of May, but let me double check that for you guys because I don't want to give inaccurate information. Um, while I'm looking through Twitter, apparently they've uh, confirmed the release date for the Shazam Blu-ray DVD, which will be July 2nd of 2019. So you know that's awesome. I'll definitely be getting it when that comes out. <sighs> Uh, see, choo, 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 scrolling through, scrolling through, uh, uh, I keep seeing a lot of the other things in here that I'm gonna be talking about in a few minutes, um, oh yeah, and, oh, because I just saw the picture, yeah, uh, how about, you know, Jason Momoa shaving his beard for, for the little, to make awareness for, you know, recycling and stuff like that, you know, it's interesting cause to be shaving your beard for, but, you know. Yeah. Ah, yes, here it is, the teaser. Yeah, it's May 31st, Swamp Thing, premiering on DC Universe. That's awesome, and I look forward to that. Uh, um, uh, yeah, the other thing that we got uh, for Zack Snyder's Justice League is that we finally find out, or found out, who was supposed to be Darkseid, who was cast as Darkseid in Jack, Zack, Jack, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And it is none other than actor Ray Porter. I uh, don't know if he actually got to film any... <sighs> film any physical scenes for it, but... He at least recorded the dialogue for it. Because he's a very well-known voice actor. And, you know what? He hasn't outright come out and said that yes, he was, but if you've been following him on social media lately, uh, ever since the story broke out from the Exiles Network.wordpress.com, where they said that Ray Porter was cast as Darkseid in Zack Snyder's Justice League, I will have that link in the description below as well. Um, apparently, yeah, he's been doing a little bit of teasing. Uh, Regarding this, all started with first he he tweeted out saying, "I'm just over here honoring the NDA," and yeah, and a couple more tweets, and then he changed his uh, Twitter photo to a picture of, you know, it's a picture of him with the little Omega symbol, just you know, casually hiding in his shirt, which we all know the Omega symbol is, you know, the symbol of Dark Side, and then he also shared another post on Twitter. Where he has a bunch of old books, a bunch of old, worn-out books, and what's sitting in front of that book is, well, it's a picture, it's a little little Funko Pop of Darkseid, which is just, and I even tweeted, re responded to his tweet just saying, oh, you tease, you evil tease, but yeah, he's, essen he's essentially confirming that he, yes, he is Darkseid in, in the Justice League movie. 
Uh, he just hasn't said the actual words yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah, had all these old, worn-out history books. You know, maybe it's, you know, like, metaphor for history lesson. And then it's a little Funko Pop of Darkseid, and then somebody even, you know, commenting on uh, Zack Snyder uh, posting him on Vero, that he joined Vero, and then somebody commented, for Darkseid, and then Zack Snyder responded, for Darkseid. So yeah, he was Darkseid. That pretty much confirms it, if, if Zack Snyder is saying that. And also the the, the actor, or the, the actor that portrayed Ares in the movie as well, that he's been uh, vocal on social media, uh, ever, I think because of a DC, uh, on on Instagram, DC underscore last underscore stand, I believe it is, that they said, that he said that, uh, that he had f trained for, I think, like four or six months to get into shape, to f and they filmed this a scene where it was hit, where he had an epic fight with, with Darkseid in the history lesson. Which now begs the question, and as everyone's wondering, the history lesson that we got in the movie, was it supposed to be Steppenwolf, or was it supposed to be Darkseid? Looking more and more like it was supposed to be Darkseid, not Steppenwolf. Um, and also because... Sorry about that. But, um, sorry I keep yawning. But, um, yes, that the actor, uh... Was McKinless, I, I believe is his name, Nick McKinless, I think, something like that. That basically he, yeah, he has been very vocal and outspoken about it, just saying that. <clears throat> um, is basically saying that he was he trained so hard for this thing, and he wasn't even credited for his part of the movie, and uh, instead, it's, who's credited is the actor that played Ares in Wonder Woman. Because uh, if you remember from the Kevin Smith video, where he ran down what was cut out of Justice League, that there was some dialogue amongst Ares and, and a bunch of the other people, and that he recorded dialogue, and that they were going to use like a, ver a like a likeness image of his face onto the, the body, the, the, act, the head of the actor that plays him in the movie. Now, but who knows if we're going to get to see that, we shall see. Oh, and it's just more and more, it's just... <sighs> sorry. I am sorry that I keep yawning. It just really just makes it more and more apparent that there was so much that Zack Snyder had planned and envisioned for Justice League that we are just not going to get to see until Warner Brothers does release the Snyder Cut. Will they release the Snyder Cut? I am hopeful that they will. It is looking more and more likely that they eventually will. When will that time come? We, we don't know. We shall see. But more DTEU stuff to talk about is that Birds of Prey have officially wrapped up principal photography. Uh, and it was announced on Instagram, Twitter, and I think Facebook through margot robbie's official social media accounts which was a picture of her in costume sitting in a little production chair with the birds of prey logo on the back officially confirming that yes it is indeed birds of prey and in parentheses the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn <sighs> 
I am very much looking forward to seeing that movie next year, February. I believe February 20th? I'm not 100% sure on the actual date, but it's next year, February. And I am very much looking forward to seeing that. Uh, can't wait to see the, uh, the teaser trailer that we are very likely going to get at either San Diego Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con. One of the two. We'll, we will definitely see something. And now moving on to some Marvel stuff. Uh, we have Captain Marvel has officially reached the $1 billion mark at the box office and has even... Let me see where they currently rank on the highest grossing films of all time and at what you know number that they've accomplished so far. As of right now, they are ranked at 26, just beneath The Dark Knight Rises, and they are listed at 1 million, sorry, 1 billion, 67 million, 648,089 dollars as of this recording. Now, if y'all have checked out my Captain Marvel review, I said that I enjoyed the movie overall, yes. But, I mean, it's not, it's not a perfect movie. Like my friend Ian had said on Facebook, if you've read the comic books, you won't like this movie. You'll have a lot of what-the-fuck kind of moments. Which is, yeah, I had some what-the-fuck moments because I, I have read the comic books. I am a comic book fan. Most people should know that by now. But I still enjoyed it for what it was. It was definitely not perfect. But I also feel like it doesn't deserve the level of hate that it's been getting. And I am surprised that it did reach $1 billion as quickly as it did. But then again, so did Aquaman. It reached $1,147,661,807, ranked at 20 on the highest grossing films of all time, just under Captain America Civil War. Which is an amazing thing in and of itself. But hey... We shall see where Captain Marvel lands at the end of its theatrical run, which should be soon, because you know, Avengers Endgame is coming out on the 26th. You know, we have the premieres, you know, the 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 midnight premiere or the, the premiere the night before on the 25th. But you know, I got my ticket for noon on the 26th, and I'll be there for that. And I very much am looking forward to that one. Ah, <sighs> it's going to be awesome. And while talking about Avengers Endgame, according to the Russo brothers, Avengers Endgame will include the final cameo of Stan Lee. Um, now that is exciting, but also, you know, a little heartbreaking at the same time. But, um, it's just, it's... Because most of us expected that that um that the Spider-Man Far From Home would be his his final cameo, but apparently it's going to be Avengers Endgame, you know, as apparently confirmed by Joe Russo of the of the Russo brothers. <sighs> so I'm very much looking forward to seeing what kind of cameo that he does have in this film. If it is going to be the final time that he does it, and we're, I'm, I'm probably going to be an emotional one for that one because you know the, the little, the nice tribute, opening credits tribute that they did for him at for Captain Marvel was awesome, and then his cameo in the movie was pretty damn awesome as well because it was referencing 
his role as as himself in Kevin Smith's Small Rats movie, which that's another great movie. I hope you guys will uh, <clears throat> that there was one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies. You should definitely check it out. And I will have the Screen Rant article link in the description below talking about Stan Lee's final cameo. Um, uh, moving on to apparently what Kevin Feige has, I guess, confirmed about the five-year plan for Phase 4 of the MCU. Uh, and I will have that link in the description as well, where apparently his confirmed plans, as of right now, do not include Fantastic Four and the X-Men, which a lot of fans are upset about because they thought that as soon as that deal went through with Disney and 20th Century Fox, that we were going to get the X-Men, like, boom, 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 boom. Well, we are not going to get that, which people like me who know better already knew that. Because we're just getting Dark Phoenix coming out in June, and New Mutants, that one is still up in the air, last I heard. Uh, so, and he, as, uh, see, Kevin, Kevin Feige's told io9, which is the website that I'm getting this from, says, it'll be a while. It's all just beginning in the five-year plan that we've been working on, we were working on before any of that was set. So really, it's much more for us, less about specifics of when and where the X-Men will appear right now, and more just the comfort factor and how nice it is that they're home, that they're all back, but it will be a very long time. Because uh, as of right now, the five-year plan includes uh, the Eternals, the apparent, the apparent Black Widow solo film, Shang-Chi, and many others. Uh, we shall, you know, see more of that because, you know, Phase 3 ends with Avengers Endgame and begins with Spider-Man Far From Home coming out July, which apparently I, I've heard is being moved uh, to two days ahead, to two days earlier, to July the 2nd, which, you know what, if that's, if that's what it is, then cool, no problem. I, I am, I look forward to seeing that as well. And we also had the big unveiling and announcement for the Disney Plus streaming service, which, uh, let me pull up the screenshot that I have here from for that one, so I can have a better understanding of that. Uh, where is it? Where is it? There we go. Yeah, that apparently it's going to be, yeah, everything that is owned by Disney will be featured on there now. Like, they will have the category for the Disney films, they will have the Pixar category, and then they will have a Marvel category, Star Wars, and apparently National Geographic as well. So yeah, all everything that is now owned by Disney will be featured on there, including The Simpsons, um, which is just interesting to me. <laughs> Uh, and of course, like brand new exclusive shows for the Disney Plus, uh, such as The Mandalorian, which is going to be, you know, f uh, the Mandalorian people that Jango Fett and Boba Fett come from, uh, and their you know whole story, uh, an apparent an apparent prequel story from to Rogue One with Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk, which 
I look forward to. That's gonna be a that'll be a fun one, and also the Marvel stories, excuse me, uh, such as the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier show, um, a Hawkeye show where he'll be training his daughter uh, in archery to I guess take his mantle one day when he retires, um, and also a, a Scarlet Witch and Vision show as well. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more. Yeah, the the Loki show that's supposed to be coming out as well. It's supposed to be like a prequel story where he'll be narrating it, I believe. I'm not sure. I have to... God damn, I am so sorry with all the yawning. But hey, I look forward to checking that one out and seeing how that how that's going to be. Um, now... A lot of people. I also saw a lot of people with the, when they announced the lineup for Disney Plus. A lot of people saying like, "Oh, R.I.P. to Netflix." And, you know, Netflix is running scared. You know what? Netflix does probably probably they don't give a shit about what the Disney Plus service is going to be doing. Because with Disney Plus, like, yeah, it's exciting that they're going to have all that stuff on there, but it's all stuff that has to meet the approval of Disney before it goes on there. They're not just gonna put anything they want. It's everything that's going to be Disney property. So you're not going to get quite the variety you think you're getting, honestly. It's Because, yeah, Disney Plus, the plus, yeah, it makes it, it implies that it's going to be more than Disney, which technically is true, but it's everything that Disney owns. Because remember, Disney, when they when they bought 20th Century Fox, they acquired the, 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 the rights to The Simpsons, um, <clears throat> Aliens, Predator, uh, at the Avatar movies as well. Yes, they own Avatar now. Uh, every movie and TV show that has ever been produced by 20th Century Fox, or just or Fox Searchlight, or FX, is now owned by Disney. Now it's not just X Men and Fantastic Four like a lot of the MCU fans only talked about. No, Disney owns The Simpsons, Predator, Aliens, Avatar. Um, what's another one? Uh, try to think of it. Uh, uh, whatever, I can't think of it right now at the moment. Uh, but yeah, they, they own more than just the X-Men and Fantastic Four with their, acquire, with their acquiring of Fox Entertainment properties. <sighs> but you know what, I'll probably check it out whenever that launches. I don't even remember what the launch date is supposed to be. But, you know, I'll check it out later. But... I'm going to conclude this podcast with the news that I was most excited about. And this one came out of the Star Wars Celebration Convention last week. And it was the official unrevealing of the name and teaser trailer of Star Wars Episode 9. Episode 9 which we now know is, now, is called The Rise of Skywalker. Which is a very curious name, and a lot of people are not sure what it means. Some of them are thinking that it'll be that Sky, like Skywalker, will be like a, a name um, that will be passed on from to generations of of Jedi. Others are speculating it'll be a redemption story for Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, because he is a Skywalker. He comes from the Skywalker bloodline. Uh, but hey, regardless of all that. I'll have the link to that trailer in the description below. When I, I've seen that trailer at least, no joke, at least a hundred times by now. 
whether I'm watching watching the trailer by itself or watching uh, people's trailer reactions to it. And it looks freaking amazing. I am excited. I love Star Wars. I have loved every Star Wars movie that I've ever seen. All, all eight of the main story Star Wars films and the two spin-off films I loved as well. And... Uh, I'm going to be a blubbering mess when they have that final scene of Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, General Leia. And because watching the just a quick couple of seconds in the tr- in the teaser trailer with her hugging Ray, I started to cry right then. It was just like God, ugh. that one's gonna hit me hard. I know that one for sure. But the thing that everyone's talking about most with this teaser trailer is at the end when you hear the quote taken out, take, taken directly from the Last Jedi, said by Luke Skywalker, "No one's ever really gone." And then it goes, the screen goes black, it gets silent, and then you just hear the distinct laugh of Emperor Palpatine. Oh, oh that's... Oh, man. And yes, it has been confirmed by J.J. Abrams that yes, Ian McDermott is back as Palpatine in this movie. And... That is just, like, wow. How they're going to manage that, I have no idea what that's going to do, what what their plan is for the movie. Uh, and he did also say that there, they will, you know, there will be more to, to the story of who's Ray, who Ray's parents really are. Uh, it's, it's not just, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not going to be just that throwaway, oh, they were junk traders that sold you for drinking money. Because uh, think about it. Kylo Ren was he's he's he does the Jedi mind trick stuff. You don't think that he was manipulating her to fall into his trap so that she would join him? That's my theory on that. And that was my theory when I first saw it in the theater, and then when I've seen it several times since then, which I've seen it at least four times since I got the Blu-ray after seeing it in the theater twice. Um, yeah, I saw it twice. And. What are my theories on what's going to happen? I have no theories. I'm just excited to go see it in December for my as a birthday gift to myself, just like I did for Aquaman and Star and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as birthday and Christmas gifts to myself. I am very much looking forward to seeing Star Wars Episode 9: The Rise of Skywalker come December of 2019. And well, that is a as good a time as any to conclude this podcast of the Men in Tights podcast episode 36 I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble on for an hour and a half and I don't know how often I'm going to be doing these because if you're looking at if you look at the schedule that I have listed uh, on the description don't really have a lot of topics to go on besides the wrestling pay-per-view predictions and then uh, I do have coming up July 26 uh, my San Diego Comic-Con episode which will also be the one year anniversary episode for the Men in Tights podcast because if y'all remember the, my first episode my the inaugural episode of this podcast was covering 
2018 San Diego Comic-Con. So, you know, I look forward to that one. That's going to be fun. Uh, but yeah, I just mostly, I just have that. Some more pay-per-view prediction episodes. More shooting the shit episodes that follow those pay-per-view predictions. And my most anticipated films of 2020 coming at the end of the year as well. So if y'all have any topics to suggest for me, please feel free to, to go ahead and tweet them to me at IamFositude. Oh, um, you know, no topic is too big or too small for me. Um, I will, you know, if you have a good idea for me, I will take it, you know, into serious consideration as I always do. If you have any questions for me that you want to hear answered on the podcast, just feel free to send them to me either. Send them directly to me on Twitter, or you can send it, or you can ask the, the question with using the hashtag Men Insights Podcast. Uh, well, I hope you all have a wonderful Easter weekend with your families and loved ones. And uh, again, I thank you all so much for watching, for listening, for subscribing. You all mean everything to me. I love you all, and I thank you again, and I will see you next time.